you a bunch of Pentecostals? My, my. I don't know what in the world to think about y'all. Y'all out here acting like y'all children of God. Acting like you're happy. Praise the Lord. Acting like you got peace in a troubled world. Done got your peace shoes on. Peace shoes. I'll let you wonder on that a little bit. Amen. Ain't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Praise the Lord. St. John chapter 4, verse 16. Boy, I'm so glad we can have church on Wednesday night. I just absolutely love going to church. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be able to assemble ourselves together. St. John 4, 16. Now, we might think whenever people have uh, marriage problems that they need to hear a series on family or marriage problems. We might think when folks are sick that they need to hear a sermon on how to get healed. We might think whenever they're down, they need to hear a sermon on how to be lifted up. But I've found out a lot of times that the Lord don't think the way we think. And sometimes when we're in that frame of mind and we come to church and I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm here and here, boy, I hope Brother Donnie preaches on this and I hope Brother Terry preaches because I, that's exactly where I, what I need. I need to hear. No, actually what you need to hear is what the Spirit's got to say. Now, we'll look at this woman again and keep this in mind, this woman at the well. She has real problems, as we know. And then we'll see the direction that Jesus goes to help her solve these problems. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Thou hast had five husbands. He whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Praise the Lord. Verse 23. The hour cometh and now is. And those who have marriage problems need to sit under a marriage counselor. And now we know God, God uses that. But would you have ever thought that a woman that had these kind of problems would have ever been helped by talking about God being invisible? And talking to her about how to worship and where to worship? In our minds, we just wouldn't correlate. So it shows me that Sometimes when we come to the house of God, we really don't even know what we need ourselves. And sometimes you may go to men of God and you tell them what your need is and, and they pray for you. And you're standing there listening as a lot of you do. And you're listening as I pray or some of these other brothers pray. And I don't even pray in the direction that you told me. And you're standing there thinking, well, well, what? 
Should I not rather pray in the direction the Lord leads me instead of the way you told me? I know some of you believe this and some of you won't. But there's times that I and other men of God have prayed in a direction that was so supernatural that God himself prayed out of human lips and prayed in such ways that you're just staggered by it. You know, a man can't do that. So when you come to the house of God and the preacher takes his text and says, Tonight I'm preaching on Noah and the flood. And you say, well, Great, I've got the flu. Well, I, that ain't what I need to hear. Are you going to question God? Or are you going to say, now, Lord, maybe there's something in this flood about the flu or something about the flu and the flood or something about, God, you don't make no mistakes. And I believe men of God are led by the Holy Ghost. You know what Satan will do? He'll defeat you because you get in your mind. That ain't what I need. Who knows more what you need, God or you? Well, whoever that was for, God bless you. Now we'll pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word tonight. Father, we love you so much. We so appreciate you. I ask you tonight, Lord, that you would just take your word and speak to us. And we want to just lay our preconceived ideas down of what we think the service should be and how it should go and what our needs are. And, oh, Father, we have plenty of needs. You know that. We have all kinds of things that we need answers to and situations in our lives and so on. But what we want to do is just bring them right into your presence, Lord, and know that you are mindful. Lord, I submit myself to you tonight. I pray that you'd use me. Help me, Father, to be able to follow you, follow the direction of the Holy Ghost. Help the people to be able to pull, and we believe that we'll be benefited when we leave this place tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So let's look at this again. St. John 4, 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is spirit. Or as our English version says, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now remember, this is not a theologian that he's sharing this with. It's not even one of the 12 chosen apostles. It's not a preacher. It's a woman with a lot of marriage problems. And the Lord Jesus is not giving her a book on marriage and divorce. John the Baptist, whenever God anointed that man and Herod came in and Herod had a real marriage and divorce problem, he had married his brother's wife. And whenever he come to hear John, John lit right into him. And he said, it ain't lawful for you to have her. But when Jesus got ready to deal with this woman, he didn't go through her. Now you broke the law and you've done this and you deserve to be stoned and you deserve that. But he's creating something around that seed that'll bring that seed to a place to be changed. No doubt she heard series on marriage and divorce afterwards. No doubt she heard things how to straighten out her life. 
how to live a godly life because that follows the birth of a predestinated seed. But apparently it was not that that she needed to get her attention to bring that seed to a place where she could recognize who he was. You know, I love the way that God supernaturally comes down and does things. And as I mentioned to you last week, sometimes he wants to just kind of flutter over the nest and just take his big old wings and move back and forth and let us see how great that he is. When Job and his great trial and Job was so down and so lonely and remember his friends, whenever they came and Job is now in his trial now for several days, by the time his friends came and whenever they saw Job and the Bible says when they yet saw Job afar off they saw his house how it had went down now this man had slaves and servants and so on everything no doubt was meticulous in his yard his barn his farm his estate everything was just meticulously taken care of but as they come near and they go to looking at Job's house and his barn his ranch whatever it was and they could see Job afar off maybe sitting out on the yard or out on the porch and they could see what kind of a state that man was in and they saw him afar off now and they begin to recognize this man was in such a condition and the Bible says when they came around him they sat there and sat down with Job and did not open their mouth what was it for about a period of seven days they felt so sorry for that man and oh my then when they opened their mouths you know one began to rebuke him and this one said that and the other one said that but when the almighty come to talk to Job amen he didn't come down and break Job a bigger handkerchief than he had he didn't come down with a self pity bag to enhance his self pity but he said Job where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. Was it you, Job, that caused the hinds to cad? Was it you, Job, that spoke to the lightning? Was it you, Job? What's he doing? He's standing on the edge of the nest and flapping his big wings and showing his greatness to Job. It was God's greatness that pulled Job out of that self-pity and that cycle that he was in. Now, I'm not saying that to say that God does not understand when we're going through trying times. But God knows whenever we need to hear something that is greater than our hardships and greater than our trying times, and what can be greater than that than the greatest thing there ever was? And that is the mighty Elohim. Now, apparently this is what the Lord Jesus knew that this woman needed. She was in a terrible, terrible state. She had a little seed of representation of God that was down inside of her. And the Lord Jesus, in his phenomenal way of speaking the word, is going to create a divine vacuum by which the Holy Spirit of God will be able to reach down and pull this woman into such a state. Now, remember, this woman was so 
illuminated by the presence of God that she run, went running into the city and told the men of that city, but she had no reputation. They should have never even listened to her. Come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Isn't this the very Messiah? Whenever she told them, they went out and went to talk to him, and they found her later and said, Woman, we don't just believe because you said so, but now we've seen him for ourselves. So they believed they had their own personal experience, but their revival started from a woman that nobody should have even listened to. <clears throat> now that don't mean we believe in women preachers, but we do believe God can get a hold to women like he can get a hold to men. And their life can be so changed by the power of God that God can change other people's lives because of them. Now, believe it or not, friends, that's the kind of Christians we want to be here at Happy Valley. We don't think that it ought to be just the preachers that way, but we think every child of God ought to be illuminated the same way. Is that right? Now, so if God is a supernatural being and man was made in the image of God initially and then man took up the image of the kingdom that he would rule over, which was the animal kingdom, and man condescended himself by the projection of God into the animal kingdom, God foreshowing what he was going to do himself, then whenever we by new birth are recreated again, what image are we created? in the likeness of. Now we know that when we're born again, if we had brown hair when we got up from the altar, guess what? It probably was still brown. And if you had gray hair, more than likely you still had gray hair. If you didn't have no hair, more than likely you still didn't have no hair. Because the new birth does not change that right? If you had brown eyes when you went down, you had brown eyes when you got up. You had blue, you understand. So you were a new creation in the same old temple. So what image then were we created in? This is what the creator, the Logos, now is on the earth, the Son of God. Now remember, not God the Son. The Son of God. Amen. Not God the Son. Oh, I know somebody's looking at me funny and you're wondering where I'm going. Because we do not believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Any way you count that, you've got three gods. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Well, come on now. But we do believe in the Son of God, but Son had a beginning. Now, for those who believe in the Trinity, or maybe some of you are, are some of these have followed these heathens around the message that don't believe in three, but you believe in two, you're still a heathen if you believe in two gods. We believe that God created a likeness of himself. It was the unbeginning or the unreflected image of the eternal which began in time. But with a son, it has a beginning. Oh my. Now notice this in Ephesians 4.24 that he put on the new man which is after God. Now notice talking to those that are born again that you put on the new man which after God is created created in righteousness and true holiness. Now this is what the new birth does from the soul. So it brings the original image of God into us by the recreation or the regeneration of the Spirit of God. Colossians 3.10 have put 
put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So we don't all look like little Jesuses on the earth when we're born again. But we do bear the image of God. What kind of image is it? It is a supernatural image. So tonight I've never seen you, you've never seen me. So our conception of God then must be what Jesus projected to us. How many wants to worship tonight? How many wants to worship the Lord? Well, there's only one way that we can worship now. We've got to worship in spirit and in truth. Trinitarians do not worship God in spirit nor in truth. Now they may jump, shout, rejoice, speak in tongues, prophesy, all that sort of thing, but they are not rejoicing in the truths of the theos or the Godhead of what it really is because God is not three people. And if you're worshiping tonight under the auspices of two, two, you are not worshiping him right either. Well, let me go ahead and say it like this. If you're worshiping God like that right there, you're not worshiping right either. Because God is not one like your finger. Jesus was not his own father. Jesus had a beginning, but Christ didn't. Well, hallelujah. Jesus could die, but the father could not. <laughs> Oh, brother Donnie, you're confusing me. Well, hang with me there. Maybe I'll get you straightened out. Now, what's then? Why is this important then that Jesus is going to change the dispensation of worship? Well, if you're going to worship, he said, woman, we know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. Now, remember, our background is actually from Judaism, and this is why that we believe in Judeo-Christianity, because the background of the Christian faith came from the basic principles of Hebrewism, which is the one God concept. Now, remember, many of the nations of the earth were polytheists in that they believed in more than one God. Yet that was not in the original. Adam did not believe he was not a Trinitarian. He was not a Tunis. Neither was Seth. Neither was any of those early fathers. But the polytheistic idea which originated out of hell was there to confuse the man, of course, that would come upon the earth. Then God taken upon himself human identity so people would be able to relate to him. So God would let the authors of the Bible uh, say God's right hand and God's eye and God's face and God's mouth and what did Satan do then Satan took that that condescension of God uh, using that and letting the men describe him in such a way that man could relate to him and Satan took that condescension of God and turned it into a new God which was sitting there on the throne as an old man God is not a man God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth now why is this important for because this is the logos himself in sonship upon the earth in a time body in order to give the blood out of that time body to reconcile us back to divine nature So then we will be able to worship him in spirit and in truth and then expand that and say whether there's two or three gathered together in my name, there will I be in their midst. Praise the Lord. So it would not have to be in a church house then. It would not have to be in a temple. But they are gathered in his name, in his blood, in his spirit under the display of the token of his life. This is true worshipers. 
brother Don, I see all kinds of people on the Gaither videos and all kinds of people, they're doing this, and they're worshiping God, are they? Some of them standing there with a gay girlfriend or a homo boyfriend. Uh-huh, married half a dozen times and got their eyes on another and this and that and the other. And what kind of, I don't deny that they're not worshiping in some kind of spirit, but it ain't the spirit I want. I, I don't want to worship God under some gay spirit. Come on, that's saying, don't get quiet on me. I know it's totally acceptable in this day, but it's not acceptable in the eyes of God. So do we want to be accepted in the eyes of Laodicea or accepted in the eyes of all the, the Almighty? That's where I want to be. Now, what's this? So the new concept of what they must understand is coming to God that God is not going to be confined now to this one temple and Mount Gerizim or upon Mount Zion, but it is a new dispensation by which the Spirit of the Almighty will live in the recipients of those who get his life. So God then, Jesus wants to introduce to them, help them to understand that God is invisible. So we can only see what has form. So there's something that's always been in man to want to make and to be able to shape and fashion a God that he could see. This is why idolatry so, you know, even in this day and time, why it still goes because man can relate to something that he can be able to touch and see. Even in the Old Testament, they did not believe that those wood, those wooden images and stone images, they didn't necessarily believe that that was God, but they believed their God represented himself inside that image. Why? Because the minds of human beings can comprehend and relate to something that they can touch or something they can see better than something that is invisible. Well, how could there be an invisible being that never started, never did have a day he began? It's just more than the human mind can comprehend. Right. So God cannot then, he cannot be confined to a material form that is that the fullness of his expression would be there. Don't you know that it must have been so confusing to the devil and his demons whenever the Lord Jesus was on the earth and yet they would be able to walk before the throne of God and look into there and there was that glory, there was that Shekinah, there was that light, there was all that thing that always was there and it was still there. And yet Jesus was on the earth saying, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And they're saying, well, where is he? Is he gone? You know, because a lot of folks get in their mind, well, whenever Jesus is on the earth, the throne was empty. And you show me that in the Bible. Don't you understand the fullness of the Godhead bodily was confined in him to the attribute, but yet the eternal was still right there. Well, hallelujah. Some of y'all looking at me funny. My, my. So God cannot be able to assume them as we would look at it, be confined into a, you know, just this side, this building, or as they thought it was totally bottled up in the Old Testament, the house of God. And it was merely an attribute that God said, I will place my name there. I will let my presence be there. It don't mean heaven was empty. It does not mean when Solomon saw the great glory of God and the thick darkness and the smoke that come down in the temple that heaven was empty. The fullness of God was still right there where it's always been. What's this 2 Corinthians 4, 4? In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. 
So Christ then was the image of God. So the supernatural image of God was Christ. Now notice this, that Paul does not say Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Didn't tell Mary to call him Jesus Christ. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he would be made both Lord and Christ. Notice, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, which is Christos the anointed, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So then the glory of God's effigy, or the glory of God's brilliance and expression of his person, would from this point on be seen in the face of Christ. You can look right in the face of Jesus and not sing Christ. You see, a lot of folks saw Jesus, but the elect saw Christ. Same way today, a lot of folks look at you and you and you and me and you and that, that's all they ever see. But the elect is able to see Christ. The anointed, praise the Lord. Notice Colossians 1.15. Who is the image of the invisible God? Notice the firstborn of every creature. Now this again speaking about the Lord Jesus. Who is the image of the invisible God? The image of the invisible God. So when Jesus said, when you see the Father, you've seen me. Now Trinitarians of course want to say, well that ain't no hard thing to understand. Jesus looks so much like his daddy that he could say that. That whenever you've seen him, you've seen his daddy. His daddy didn't have an image. God ain't got eyes. God don't have hands, fingernails, toes, lips. Not the way we relate to it in the sense of humanity. God's image was Jesus Christ. Notice the word image is, is like the word form in Philippians 2, 6. Used in the New Testament for real and essential embodiment. As distinguished from mere likeness. So if you take your smartphone and you take a picture of this Gatorade. And then you'd hold that picture up beside and there would be on your phone. And here it would be there. So well, there's an exact image. That's not God the Father and God the Son though. You see God the Father does not exist in bottle form. So then all of a sudden appears one image. And you say, oh my, well that must look just like the Father. The Father don't look like that. The image looks like the unseen beget into mortality. Amen. Woo! The embodiment of the Lord Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So it was God, the great eternal, wanting to condescend. And Christ was so the adequate image of God. It was God's self-reflection. Notice in Hebrews 1. It was God's self-reflection in his own thought, eternally present with himself, but not in the form of three persons. Now, Trinitarians say, well, they all three exist. It's God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Ghost. And they're co-equal. They're co-equal in power. And they're co-equal in authority. And they've all three got the same power. You're heathen. The prophet said the devil told you there's three gods so he can make a heathen out of you. 
this Hebrews 1.1, God who in sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his humanity or by his word or by his son focusing in the same direction now watch so whenever you look at the sonship of God whenever the Lord Jesus identifies himself as son whether deity identifies himself as son or one of the apostles would identify him as son it is God's humanity God's word made flesh there are three that bear witness in the earth of course we know the water the blood and the spirit these three agree in one, but there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, why didn't it say Son? Word and Son's the same thing. Father, Word, and Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So there's not a Father God, and then a Son God, and then a Holy Ghost God. There's one God. Amen. Notice this now. So God then in sundown time spoken the time fast by the fathers, or to the fathers rather, by the prophets, have in these last days spoken unto us by his son, by his humanity, by his word, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now not now in the first century form of Arianism that God created this creature which was less than himself, and then God used that creature to make everything else. Now maybe if you've heard the word Arianism, maybe or maybe not. But it was a substance which was less than God, so they say. And it was something that was not God. And it really didn't have any power than itself. I call that false doctrine. Jesus was the very outcrying or the very reflection or the outshining of the glory of God's person. He was God. In another form. Notice this, by whom he appointed uh, heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's plural, who being the brightness of his glory. Now, I'm not going to even try to pronounce this, this Greek word here, but you can look at it. Reflected brightness used of Christ in that he perfectly reflects the majesty of God. Radiance shining forth of a light coming from a luminous body and outraying. An outring. So Jesus then was the brightness of his glory. So we're talking about what? An invisible God. So Christ then became the expression or the image of this glory which man could not be able to relate to. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So before this, God had never been able to express the image of his person in a life tangible form he appeared as a pillar of fire he appeared as a cloud he appeared as a rock he appeared in all kinds of tangible forms but it was never the fullness of the expression of his entire image until Jesus came on the earth Amen. I love this word here. Character, the instrument used for engraving or carving the exact expression, the image of any person or thing. Precise reproduction in every respect or facsimile. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the rhema of his power. Not Logos now, but the rhema of his power, which is the word which is quickened and made alive for the age. 
when he had sat down, notice that how Paul carries the same continuity from the Old Testament. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now look what God allowed the New Testament to carry over. The same reflection of what the old did by them taking terminology that would make it sound like that God was a man in heaven and God had a right hand. You see, Christ as the eternal word is the perfect image of the almighty. The visible image reflected from the invisible God. Humanity yearns for some visible something, and God knows that, of course. And notice this, so he manifested himself in a pillar of cloud, as a pillar of light, and then the elements, of course, on Mount Sinai. And then he comes even more clear in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, and there was great glory about him, and the train filled his temple. What was he seeing? It was the very effigy or the image of Christ that he saw. So here he was before he ever became Jesus. He was Christ before he ever became Jesus. I was Christ before I ever became Donnie. Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. Oh, friends, if you were there, you were there. You don't remember it. What was that? I am an anointed attribute of the Almighty. If I am here, I didn't just become an attribute once I got here in time, but I was with him and in him in the eternities. Boy, we'll get some emails on that one, won't we? Notice this, Psalms 139, verse 7. So the eternal then is this omnipresent spirit that's all around. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Notice even David in reflecting the omnipotence of the Almighty. My, reflecting it as if though God had a hand. Can you imagine a being having a hand that big? So you go to heaven, he's there. You go to hell, he's there. You go from one side of the Atlantic to the other side. And David said, wherever I go, I'm going to see your hand. So what was he doing? Catching the very heart of God in the act of condescension, showing that he's everywhere. Oh my. Notice Jeremiah 23, 23. Am I, am I God at hand, saith the Lord, and not God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? Acts 17, 27, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not very far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain also as your poets have said. We are also his offspring. So what was it? Here they was catching the very essence of God. You could not say that about an old man that was embodied sitting on a throne in heaven. Hang tight with me now. You couldn't say this about Jesus as a man on the earth. 
Now, Jesus couldn't stand in the temple in Jerusalem and be down at the Dead Sea at the same time. Uh-oh, some of y'all Jesus only folks, you're telling on yourself now. Friend, don't, don't let that bother you. I'm not trying to bring him down. This is what God done, not me. This is what God done. This is God's great work. Oh, but Brother Don, I don't like him when you make him little. I ain't making him little. I want to just want you to see what God did. God did this to get you back to himself. This is how much he loves us. Notice, my, he's an all-knowing spirit, according to Job 34, 21. For his eyes are upon the ways of man. As he seeth all his goings. Can you imagine over 7 billion people on the face of the earth tonight? God knows every one of their names. He knows exactly where they come from, where they're going. He knows their address. He knows how many kids they'll have. He knows their sins and can, can keep a straight record of every one of them. Don't worry about it. God will never put nobody else's sin on your tab. And God won't put yours on nobody else unless you get saved. And then he puts it all on Jesus and you're free. Can you imagine a being able to know all of that and do all of that and control it every bit at the same time? He's working on hundreds and thousands of prophecies coming to pass. He's dealing with the bride. He's dealing with the foolish virgin. He's dealing with 144,000. He's dealing with Russia. He's dealing with Americans. Dealing with Iran. Dealing with Iraq. Dealing with Saudi Arabia. Dealing with Korea. Dealing with China. Dealing with Japan. Come on, you preach with me tonight. He's got all that praise, God. He don't never get tired. He don't never get wore out. He don't never get sleepy because he is eternal. Oh my, the book of Job says in verse 27, Oh, hallelujah. Verse 22, rather, there is no darkness, no shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. Job 147 and 5, great is our Lord. And of great power, his understanding is infinite. And then we sit around and try to figure him out. What are you doing? Trying to understand God. Well. It about like a mosquito, you know, trying to understand a rocket scientist. And that little mosquito just buzzes around. And that guy says, out of my face. And we take our little two cents. I'm trying to understand God. Oh, I can't figure him out. And you never will. You have to believe him. something I can't understand. Well, that means you'll be lost forever. If you come to him, you must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Psalm 147 and 5, great is our Lord. And of great power, his understanding is infinite. Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open, oh my, listen to this, unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Well, aren't you glad you're dealing with him? 1 John 5, 7, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Well, why didn't John say the Son? He did. In heavenly terms. 
You see, before the Son became the Son in flesh, He was the Son in the Word. Since it took shedding of blood, God is eternal and does not have any blood. Well, you say God died on the cross. Oh, no, he never. God cannot die. But the Son of God can. Brother Donnie, which do you believe? Do you believe Jesus was the Son of God? I do. Well, I thought you said he was God. He was. But aren't you saying he's a man? Yeah. But did you say he was a man, then you say he was God? He was both. As a matter of fact, it was like he had a split personality. Actually, we're the true bipolars. Those of us that are born again, because we're from the North Pole, but we're still reflecting the South while we're here in time. Oh my, notice this. Almost all things, Hebrews 9, 22, are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission and yet God the Father Spirit had no blood. So how's God ever going to get us back to himself under the act of reconciliation unless he himself is able to provide a blood which is not human blood tainted by sex desire and there was no kind of blood like that. So it cannot be an animal blood because it already shed that and that hadn't done it. It could not be angelic blood because angels don't have blood either. And God is not a man. God is a spirit. And God in spirit form had no blood. So God, God had to create token chemistry life in the form of sonship that could give its life. Because God can't die. And something had to die in order to pay the redemption price for us. And God can't die. Wow, God was in a spot, wasn't he? Not really. God was in a man. Notice Hebrews 10.4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world... So whoever this was existed before he came into the world. But the question is, in what form? So when he come into the world, what form when he cometh into the world? He saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Oh, but a body... Thou hast prepared me. So there was no eternal sonship in heaven. <laughs> when he come to the earth, he said to the invisible one, Thou hast prepared a body for me. 
Glory be to God. So this destroys, annihilates an eternal sonship which was there co-equal with an eternal father and an eternal son and an eternal Holy Ghost. No, sir, when he come to this earth, he, amen, he received that prepared body called humanity or son. What was it before he was that? The word. That's what real sons are. <laughs> Lord. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure then, said I. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. So who's talking? The humanity of God. Now see, friends, we can't do this. We, we can't. We cannot allow our words to come out of our mouths and make a human being. Now, sisters, you can take flour and eggs and sugar and this and that and the other and make a cake or you can make dumplings or you can make something or another, but you don't have the power, nor do I, to take our words and make a human substitute from our very soul by speaking it into existence. But he could. So how do we think about it? We think about it then when we say father and son, we think about we think about beginning. We think about beginning. So here was a father and here was a son. That's not the way he thought it. He can think son and speak son. Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Then said I, so here is Christ saying at his advent. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hast thou pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. What was it? The humanity speaking to deity. Why is that so hard to understand? He taketh away the first that he may establish the second by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the 
The very thing that he said, it is written of me. I come in the volume of the book. You gave me a body. It will be this body that will carry your blood. It will be this body that will sanctify my wife. He come that he might fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 43, 11. Ah, even I am the Lord. And beside me, there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved. I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Amen. So either Jesus and God are the same person or we got two saviors. And he calls the angels of God to sing it this way in Luke 2, 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you was born this day, amen, in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So is God a Savior and then Christ the Lord is a Savior? How many Saviors have we got? The son title used by deity is describing his humanity. Matthew 3, 17, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved humanity. This is my beloved Logos, which was a little light which has now become a man. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew 17, 5, while he yet spake, behold a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved humanity, my beloved word, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He said, Brother Donnie, what in the world has this got to do with the woman at the well? Don't you see that woman was you and me a Gentile type of the bride that would catch the revelation of who he is and who we are. Second Peter 1.17 For he received from God the Father. You see friends with a true understanding of the Godhead you don't have to deny any of these scriptures. When the word mentions father, you can say, amen. When the word mentions son, you can say, amen. Because you're knowing it ain't an old man and a young man. It's the man. 
one of them was the invisible and the other was the image of the invisible. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, here's the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice came from heaven. Ah, so here's Jesus on the earth with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And a voice comes from heaven. See there, brother Donnie, two gods. You're a heathen. Here's the invisible God saying about his humanity. This is my humanity. I am pleased to dwell. Oh, Lord, children, when God can say that about us, when God can say that about you young men and young women and old men and old women, all of us, amen, that God can say, this is my son, this is my daughter, I am pleased with her. I am pleased with her. Can we go a little further? Now remember, there is no such a thing as an eternal sonship. But there is such a thing as a sonship. Watch this now. The prophet who is God, he said, Now, that great space where there was no one can fathom in their mind beyond that, that space in eternity, that's, that's Jehovah God out there. And we're taught in the beginning that the Logos or the Son of God went out of God. Now, I do not believe in eternal sonship. That's even radical to even mention such a thing. Eternal sonship. He had an eternal sonship. He said it's even eternal sonship. How could it be a son? He had to have a beginning. And so he was first God, Jehovah, out of him. Let's picture now a little drama so you can get it. Let's see coming out of space there was nothing. Let's make it like a white light, like a mystic light, like a halo. That was the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. That was the Son of God that came out of the bosom of the Father. But it wasn't a man. Not yet. It's going to be. But not yet. Now it's not yet called Jesus. But Jesus was written on the Lamb's book of life. Maybe the first name up there. <laughs> but in this form, he's not yet Jesus. He's the Logos. <sighs> And that same Logos, question answer 64, that same Logos has a bride. You reckon the Logos would ever marry a dog? Reckon the Logos would marry a bottle of Gatorade, a pig, a horse, a cow, a tree, a building? Reckon what the Logos would marry? Logos, I figure. Of his own kind, of his own nature. Praise God. Notice that, and that was the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. That was the Son of God. So now we're talking about God's family, not human family. An old man and a little boy 
or here's God, you know, 70-year-old man and Jesus looking like a 30-year-old man. No, the true picture is the eternal, which no one can fathom in their mind. And out of that, and this little halo come off of this great big fire light. And it just starts playing around the Father's door. Well, you know, the Bible calls him the father of lights. This little light of mine. (laughs) That was the son of God that came out of the bosom of the father. That was what was in the beginning was the word. And the word was was God and the word was God and the word was made In the beginning was God, then out of God came the Logos, a part of God that went out of God. Notice again the resurrection of Lazarus, his son. Son has to be born of. So the Logos, which was the son of God, went out of God. Brood over the earth. Oh, let's just picture that as being a white halo coming out of that space. That was the Son of God, the Logos. And there in that space moving around like a little child playing before the door of its parent. So when the little bitty baby boy, here's Jesus' son, Baba, Baba, it's Jesus. Get away, Jesus. You're aggravating me. I don't want you around here, Jesus. It was a little pillar of fire. Halo. Aren't you glad the halo has returned? Well, if the halo's come back, it must be back together, family members. When the halo went out of the eternal, it was to begin birth to the family of God. If the halo's come back, it must be the ending up of the family of God. Fixing to call every lick of that pillar of fire one by one by one. Look, friend, in the last six, seven weeks, how many we've had to leave right here from our own assembly? Don't you understand what that is? It's God pulling back another lick, another lick, another lick, another lick. All night before long, we're going to have more over yonder than we've got here. And we'll be like Enoch. And Father said, I'll tell you what, you all are closer to my house than you are to yours. Why don't you all just come on up? And we'll have a family reunion of the light family. Whoa! Praise God. You imagine here we sat in 2019 hearing these quotes and it just blows our minds. Can you imagine the people sitting here 1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1953-1
hanging on to. No man has seen God at any time now, eye to eye. But here's the Logos. It looks like a supernatural being. It's a halo. That's the Son of God. Not eternal sonship. Because the words don't go good together. That's Catholic doctrine. How could it be a sonship and be eternal? The Catholic call it the eternal sonship of God. Which as I've said before, the word doesn't even make sense. See, there cannot be an eternal son because the son had to have a beginning. And so Jesus had a beginning. Wasn't as many amens. Look, children, pray God will help you to understand it. Do you understand Jesus only is just as much tradition as Trinitarianism? If you don't see this right, you'll never see yourself right. Seeing the opening of the Godhead is more than seeing Jesus as God. It's seeing that you are more than human beings. It's seeing me and we are more than mere mortals that we also came from him. Not eternal sonship, but the son that was with the father in the beginning was the Logos. That went out of God. It was the theophany of God that went out. The human form that didn't have eyes like you see, a better eye. It didn't have ears like you hear, but a far more hearing. It was a theophany. That's all this theophany condescend, a rainbow condescend into a theophany. Moses saw it when he passed through the rock like that. He saw the back parts and it looked like a man. It was Christ, the Son of God, before it became Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love this. It was in him to be man. That's the reason Christ was the express image. Now he was to be father, to be son, to be savior, to be healer. And there was nothing. There wasn't even an angel or nothing. Then he created angels and he became God and he was worshipped. Then these are the manifestations of his thinking. There's nothing wrong. Everything is going to turn out all right. Don't be scared. God's big time piece is ticking right along. It'll be there. It'll have a church without spot or wrinkle. It was in. <laughs> Amen. It was in his thinking. The thing of it is, am I there? Are you there? He was here. The eternal thought of God expressed into sonship. So the humanity of God was born in Bethlehem. But God wasn't. Well, glory to God. The humanity of God nursed from Mary. But God didn't. The prefigure of the humanity of God drunk milk at the hand of Abraham. 
And then as a baby boy, he took it from a woman. But God ain't never tasted milk. Glory to God. Jesus grew mentally, humanly. He became tired, weary, hungry. Luke chapter 2, verse 49, and he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Wish you not, I must be about my father's business. They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Come on now, read with me. And was subject unto them. God ain't subject to nobody. But this is God's humanity. You see rebellious people around the message and ain't subject to nobody. You ain't never come on like Jesus did. And was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Uh, now, boy, when I was a Pentecostal, I struggled with Luke 2.52. Oh, oh, I struggled with it. You know why? I was Jesus only. I thought I had a revelation of the Godhead, but that so-called revelation I had, Brother Larry, when I didn't understand it, I would skip over it. But now that I've got the Holy Ghost, I don't have to skip over none of God's words. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. An eternal son being co-equal with God, leaving heaven and coming down as an eternal son could never learn anything. An eternal son would never pray to his eternal accomplice and ask him for anything. You mean, Brother Donnie, Jesus wasn't praying to himself? Of course he was not praying to himself. The humanity was praying to the deity in the same body. (laughs) Hallelujah. Who do you pray to? I don't come here to some idol. I don't come to Jerusalem to some idol. I pray to deity inside of me. Hebrews 4.15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are. Yet God cannot be tempted, but the humanity could be, right? Yet without sin. Is that right? Notice Galatians 3.20. Now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Now notice what Paul is saying, that a mediator is not even needed when there's only one party that you're trying to mediate between. So a mediator is not one, but he said God is one. But he said, 1 Timothy 2, 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. 
And it's not the spirit. It's the humanity. The humanity. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Brother Don. If that's the way he was, I won't worship him where you're dumber than I thought you was. The Bible says, let the angels of God worship him. If the angels of God worship him, you better bend your knee, pal. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Notice, not the Holy Ghost, not God the Father mediating between God the Father. But the Son of God, the Logos, becoming human. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Only as a man could Jesus become mediator. He could not do it in form of theophany. He could not do it in the form of the light. Praise God. Lord Jesus. God did not die on the cross. An invisible, eternal could never feel the piercing pain of a sword. So out of his being come his own humanity in word form. And then we projected that word out of himself. The word looked back and said, it is written. I come in the volume of the book to do thy will, O God. Don't you understand how that when he did that, he projected his humanity on the earth and gave this body of humanity its own will. And that humanity can pray to the deity inside of him and say, not my human will. But your deity will be done. So Jesus offered his only humanity body. Oh, how I love him. Oh, where's that time go? I have been so excited about this service tonight. I told Carol Sunday after church, I said, I am so excited about Wednesday night. I can't hardly stand it. She said, already. I said, already. Oh, hallelujah. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm excited about the next Wednesday night. I get to bring the rest of it too. I love talking about him. Let me find a place to close. Jesus was completely, totally man. He could cry like a man. He could eat like a man. He could become like a man. He was completely, totally man in his physical being and in his spirit. Completely, totally God. So he made his flesh submissive to the spirit don't you see if you see him right you'll be able to see yourself right this is what he wants the new birth to do to us that 
deity inside of us that something will make our humanity subject to the deity that lives in us. He was tempted in all manners like we are. He was a man, not an angel. He was a man. He had desires and temptations just like we do. Not an angel above temptation. Hebrews 1 said that 1 and 4, he was made lower than the angels. He was man, completely man. God took a complete man to bring total deliverance. Can't you see why he had to make this humanity with its own human will? He could not take a human body and then project deity's will. It would have been unfair. You and I could have said that we wasn't born that way. So he gave the sonship or the humanity its own human will. So the human will could, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Father, is there any way this can pass from me? The humanity praying to the deity in him. Why? It took a complete man to bring your complete deliverance. This is why we are without excuse. When we say, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. That's an absolute lie. If you want to do it, it can be done, friend. Why? He did not defeat the devil as God. But as a complete, total man. Let me find a place to stop, if I can. Oh, he was man, completely man, that God took a complete man to bring total deliverance. He filled him with his Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost that was in him was without measure. You and I have a portion. He had it without measure. He was tempted like we are. He was completely God. He proved it when he raised the dead, when he stopped nature, the roaring seas and the mighty winds, when he spoke to the trees and so forth. They obeyed him. He was God inside. And he could have been man for he was man. But he totally and completely delivered himself as a man into the hands of God for the service of God. He is our Example. We also Christians, if use our example, let us completely deliver ourselves into the hands of the Holy Ghost. We might be subjects of the kingdom of God. He was totally man. He was totally God. But he surrendered his natural parts, his physical parts, his own thinking, his own doing, his own cares. I do only that which pleases the Father. Let me close with a mystery. Acts chapter 3 verse 15 says, They killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Acts 4.10 be it known unto you all, to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, 
thou shalt be saved. But Jesus said in St. John 2, 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. You know who was talking? God. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, Jesus! Hallelujah! This is why the prophet said that he confused the disciples. He said because part of the time it was the Father talking, and part of the time it was Jesus. Don't you understand why you confuse yourself sometimes? Sometimes it's the Father talking, and sometimes it's your humanity. It's your own rotten, low down humanity, and other times the Father gets a hold of you and says, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am an attribute of God. I will make it. Praise be to God. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And in truth. You see, the people try to take the prayers of the Lord Jesus and prove by his very prayers. And he was the second person that God had. To me, I like to take his very prayers and prove he was the person of the God here. If he was coexistent with the Father, he would never have to ask the Father. Prayer is an inferior asking a superior for help. So if they were co-equal... And Jesus existed in the heavens as the eternal son, had equal power, and then he just took on a human body when it come on the earth. It would be a superior asking a superior for help. But it was the inferior, the human body, asking the superior, which lived in the human body, for help and strength. you see what it does it brings it right to your doorstep it brings it from heaven my friends it brings it from way out yonder somewhere in the world that we can't understand to your own prayer closet father please help me God I don't know what to do God please help me I need strength I need strength you're not praying to a God a million miles away the prophet said in deity of Jesus Christ 1949 he said no we're not praying to God way off in heaven somewhere but the God that lives inside of you hallelujah 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 God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit how much closer can it be than him living 
broke beyond the veil and entered in behind the veil of humanity, the veil of human spirit, and living in the soul of his wife. Praise God. Don't you love him? Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You notice this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Now, if he was second in command before he came, he would have had equal power with his Father and with the Holy Ghost. But he says, all power is now given to me. What is it? The glorified sonship receiving from the invisible Father his declared position on the throne. <laughs> all power is given. Had it been his, it could have never been given. He would have brought it with him. Ephesians 1.19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty dunamis which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, again now, at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and have given him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him Oh, glory to God that filled us all in all. And when did this happen? When he raised him from the dead. Why? Because he was not an eternal son. He was the Logos which took on human form. And this is the crowning of the human form of the Son of God. This position. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! Verse 22, and it put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over the church of all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all. And it all. Lord, pull back the cover. Acts 2.36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified. Notice, God, the invisible, the Father, made Jesus the humanity. If he was an eternal son, he would have brought that with him. But he stripped himself. Why? Because you were stripped when you came. Amen. Hath made him both Lord and Christ. Lord Jesus, humanity, Christ. 
Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Then you are married to Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Don't you love him, children? The Father seeketh such to worship him. How? In spirit. And in truth. Now that's just not, oh, Brother Donnie, I'm waiting on the Spirit. I'm waiting on the Spirit. You're in the Spirit by being baptized into it. Friends, get out of your mind that you've got to wait for an anointing. Do you honestly think I'm standing up here the whole time I'm preaching and I'm feeling this anointing all over me? No. The anointing moves and I respond according to my gift. And it'll come and surge just like it did here Sunday. Whenever he comes, I told Carol, it's like he takes you over and he's saying stuff through you. You don't even know it. You don't even think it. You can't even put it together fast enough. And all of a sudden, he just runs out to the end of it and says it. And then your eyes fall back on your notes and you say... Really? But whether or not you understand it, I'm just as anointed after that happens as I was when it was going on. You're just as anointed to be his wife and to live right and to praise him when you feel nothing as you are when it's running all over you. Because you are his anointed wife. Hallelujah! You are anointed to be bride. Sing, anointed brother. Play, anointed brothers. Worship, anointed people. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. There is like you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship him, shall we? No one else can touch
Hallelujah, sing it again. There is none like you. Oh, let's just love him, saints. Praise God. No one else can touch my heart like from his glory I hope this makes it a little bit more clear to you how he really did come down from his glory God bless you saints love you in the Lord good good privilege for it wasn't us set at the table of the king tonight great honor for the great divine look oh how wonderful he is No doubt most of you are fighting things you've never fought before and you're going through things you've never been through before and you're looking around, boy, hell is pressing its way. It, it is. But I do hope you understand heaven is coming down. Remember, heaven consists of the Word. Do you understand what's unfolded right here before us tonight? Down in Louisiana and wherever more the men of God are preaching the Word of life, heaven, the Word. It's being revealed to give us what we need for our journey. And guess what? If the Lord lets us live and we get to come back again this weekend, heaven will be appearing again. I can done tell you from what the Lord gave me today, it's going to be good. You're going to be blessed. It's heaven. It's not me. It's not you. It's heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Sister Lydia Lunsford and Brother Jacob Robbins wanted me to announce tonight that they are formally engaged and planning for a wedding. Honestly, hoping that they never get to get married. I hope we're all in heaven. But if we're still here, I hope they get to get married and live happily ever after. Let me give them a nice warm hand for them. Amen. God bless you. Let us sing it together. Just maybe a chorus or so, and then, then you can be dismissed as you would. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God. And 
and Savior, my God and Savior King, and Jesus was his human name, born in manger to his own the
sing it as you go again. Praise God. Sing it in all of our hearts. Amen. Amen.
nobody loves me like you love me, Jesus. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We bless your name. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Worship him, little woman at the well. Look like to me you folks dropped your bucket by the grace of God down into the well of praise. Pull back up some worship to Adonai. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I see you in the sunrise every morning. It's like a picture that you'd paint
chains of all. 